and I was bottom of the class. And uh, there's no, no way of getting around that. You know, you have to accept the fact that people are brighter than you. Um, but that spurs you on as well, because you think, Christ, how am I going to make any money? I can't go to university. I'm, I'm, not, I'm virtually unemployable. <laughs> I need to, yeah, mm -hmm. I need to kick on. Hi everyone, my name's Z Razak and we've got a special episode seven, if I get this right. Ooh, the six there. You're an accountant, you should get it right. So, I love that, that's what I'm talking about. Even in the intro, the audience are gonna get involved because of John. Um, this is gonna be a special edition around our Next Level Finance podcast and we're gonna give an intro into what this is going to be giving us huge value and we've got the legendary john howard who loves me calling him that he only calls uh, me that because i'm old no it's because he's wise and this is what's going to be a difference in this one get ready for the huge value thank you so much for watching thank you for making it john it's a pleasure it's you always humble us uh, with your presence and the knowledge that you give and i always like meeting people like john who are one of the industry uh, leaders experts in property there's not many of them running around and everyone watches me knows that i don't blow smoke up someone's you know where for no reason so we are here to make sure we add value illustrate john's journey which is going to be hugely valuable and i love listening to entrepreneurs like john so john are you ready for the roller coaster of the next level finance podcast um, i'm ready I love it. I love it. And when he smiles, you know he's ready. <laughs> right. We're going to start with, first of all, Orsley. Um, the audience always want to know a bit about the person and what made them who they are, what have they learned in their journey. So we're going to start with some personal challenges because yeah. people love that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I didn't actually know until we were in the chat earlier and you gave me a bit of insight, you know, you tell me a little bit, I'm going to bring it out and ask yep. Next Level Finance podcast. You said you had a stutter and a stammer. Yeah, a st stutter and a stammer, yeah. And, and very interestingly... Until what age was that? Uh, up to 19. Um, wow. But it, uh, my, my um, school life really started. Um, so I stammered. People don't know why you stammer. Yeah. But even now, the Stammering Society, I went to see them quite recently, and they depressed me a little bit because they said, well, you still stammer. I said, no, I don't. So they said, yes, you do. You just avoid the words that make you stammer. And um, if you're a stammerer, uh, you don't stammer when you sing, you don't stammer when you rhyme, you don't stammer when you shout. Um, so I think it's to do with breathing and, and confidence as well. And a lot of stammerers um, academically don't do very well at school. And that brings me really to my school days. So wow. I was good at sport, thank goodness. Any Board, particular sport? Um, football, rugby, I played for the county at rugby, wow. um, had some pro football trials, that sort of stuff. Um, but interestingly, I, I, I was at a boarding school. And the reason I was at a boarding school was because my, grand, my grandfather had a shoe shop uh, in Mansfield. And he had two boys come into the shop to buy shoes. And in those days, a good pair of shoes was a, was a wages, average wage, one month's wages for wow. a minor was a good pair of shoes in 1940, whatever it was. And he was so impressed with his two boys that went to Gresham School in Norfolk, that he vowed he would save enough money with my grandmother to 
put into a trust. So all three of, he had no grandchildren at the time, but he had one daughter. And the all, all, so all three of us in the end went to private school because of him and, his, and, and my grandmother. Right. So he, he saved enough money in a trust for us all to go to, to private school, to wow. boarding school. So, um, <laughs> but when you've got red hair and you stammer and you're at boarding school, that's a tough gig. And, and what it does do, it, 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 it moulds your character. So because everyone, you know, takes the mick out of you and everything else because of the situation. And in those days, you know, there was no getting away from it like, you know, like these days. Things, things have changed for the, for the good, by the way. Um, so you just have to put up with it. And, and it moulds your character to, to be affable and, and e relatively easygoing and be able to laugh at yourself. And I think that's very important. Very, very important. Uh, and it makes you humble as well. That's amazing insight because a lot of entrepreneurs that I've met have different challenges mm. and this is, people always, I've realised with entrepreneurs that have, be, have to be successful find solutions to problems rather than just concentrate on the problem. They find how can they resolve it and work it in their favour and that's what I always, when I speak to you, you're always finding solutions to problems and that's probably one of your major first problems. Yeah, right? I, th I think, I think, or challenges. yeah, I, I think I've got a reputation for buying difficult projects and finding solutions for them. I don't want to buy difficult projects, by the way. It's just what I get offered. There's more margin in them if you get them right. If you get them wrong, you're in trouble. So, I mean, but, but what I would say is I think most entrepreneurs I've met, and there's some super, I'm not talking about the super bright ones because there's some super, super bright entrepreneurs out there who have made fortunes. Um, but for a lot of us, especially when I started, uh, which was in a state agency, we'll talk about that in a minute, I know, mm -hmm. Most of us weren't very bright, and actually we didn't go to university. Um, we had no chance of going to university. We needed to do something. So you need to sharpen up and find something you could do. And most people, I, most of my friends who weren't very bright or didn't take life too seriously ended up as state agents to wow. start with. And of course, a state agency is such a good grounding for being a property investor developer. And that's what's missing now. And, and what's happened is there's so many more people doing property and they've all been educated. And you, you can tell they've all been educated by these property gurus because of what they come out with. <laughs> and, and, and that's one of the reasons, which we'll go on to later, why I started writing my books and so on, because I was so fed up with some of the, not all the education, yeah. some of the education people were getting. Let's unpack some of that. I think you mentioned quite a lot. So you had the stammer, you overcome that. Well, I overcame it, but by I didn't know how how to overcome it really. Apart from um, when I started work, I wouldn't answer the phone. I didn't like answering the phone, and I would never make a phone call. Wow. So I wasn't a lot of good. So because I stammered, uh, and eventually I got more confident. And by the time I was nineteen, I left school at seventeen. By the time I was nineteen, um, it I believe it virtually. 1920 virtually gone yeah. but if you talk to the stammering society they'll say no you still stammer i i wouldn't even known so i think it has gone Thank um, you. and i think it's confidence and it's the way you've it's done that a lot that. of confidence so think, yeah. you add 19 that's a bit of another mm. milestone year for you yeah you it, bought your yeah it was business it, it was yeah because my father my father had a he was a greengrocer yeah uh, in a small town and then one day he bought an estate agency uh, so wow. everyone knew him as a greengrocer and the next day he's valuing property which is a bit tricky um, and he ran it, he didn't buy it till he was 60, and he ran it for um, eight, nine years. 
and and sort of didn't really need them didn't really need to make a big profit and it was a one-man band and all the rest of it and i went and he'd been ill so i joined him when i was 17 when i could learn to drive i left school and um he'd been ill for four months so the business was hardly any business there and we had a secretary called mrs leader and in the morning she used to give me spelling tests and she couldn't believe i was such a bad speller considering they spent so much on my education <laughs> so it was, it was, you could you know, it was, and, and those days, of course, you locked the office up at lunchtime and walked home. Wow. You walked home at lunchtime. And then I'd constantly be arguing with my father in front of my mother, bless her heart, about, um, you know, we need to modernise the office. We need to do this, need to do that. And he didn't really want to. And anyway, and then on my 18th birthday, I managed to, I saved, I'd already saved a bit of money. My mother lent me a little bit of money and the bank manager lent me the, diff, the, the balance and I bought two properties. Were they your first two? My first two. At age uh, what age? At 18, on my 18th you're, birthday. You're listening to yeah. this exclusively. Yeah. John Howard bought his first yeah. properties at age 18. On my birthday. Wow, on his birthday. Off a, off a property developer who, who, who it, it was the end, end of a deal, if you like. So he had two sitting, what, what we have then in those days was sitting tenants. He had two sitting tenants left and he just wanted to chop them out. So, I, so, he, so he let me buy them. And... Before I bought them, though, I'd agreed to sell one of them to the tenant at a profit. So that happened really quickly, which left me the other one virtually without any money owing on it. And then, so I, I then moved on to the next. My mother got her money back. She bought a new kitchen with the money because my dad was too tight to buy a kitchen for her. So she said, I don't need your money now to buy a kitchen. I'm buying it myself. <laughs> so, and of course, if, you know, if you can borrow money, and I was fortunate, you know, you could borrow a bit of money off your, off your family. Um, always give them a decent return on their money. Don't try and be clever and say, well, it's family, you shouldn't have, get anything. Because if you give them a decent return, they'll lend you the money again, yeah, which yeah. is what my mother did. Oh, we'll do another one, shall we? I'm, and I'm and sure so, we did, so we did two or three. I think I gave her, I gave her some interest. I think I gave her something like 20% of the deal. So I can't remember now, but wow. she was delighted. Um, and um, she was delighted. And then by the time I was 19, we weren't getting on my father and I in terms of business and um, and he wasn't well either. And I he decided to sell sell the business uh, for six thousand pounds, a little leasehold business wasn't worth it. What much. year was this? Don't About nineteen eighty nineteen seventy nine, nineteen eighty, something like that. Eighty one. Wow. And and um, so so he found a buyer who then wanted me to stay on as a, as a, as the manager. Mm. So I thought, well, that's crazy. Uh, and the sale fell through. And all I wanted to do was be a property developer. I knew within two months, the state agency is a mugs game, really. Which right. is a bit of a joke, because now I own Fun and Country. Um, we've got the franchise for the whole of Norfolk, so we've got loads of offices, but <laughs> that's another story. Um, so then, uh, so, I, so the fel sale fell through. He didn't want to sell it to me because he didn't want me to fail. But I had a deal with him, and uh, I bought it off him. And I changed the name immediately to John Howard Estate Agents. And we doubled the, doubled the turnover the first year, doubled it again the second year. Um, and we did okay, not brilliantly, did okay. And I sold it when I was 24 because I met a Mr. Boyce who uh, was what really one of my backers. Um, and I still do deals with his son today, 35 years later. Let's break at that point. So age 19, you bought the business yep. for £6,000 yep. from your father. Yep. Uh, you doubled it, as you noticed. But yep. then it was a major life event, which uh, you're happy to share with yes. us. Age 20... Yes. Um, which you said to me off here, your yeah. role model, your dad yes. and your grandfather were well, there, the role models. Yes. 
uh, unfortunately your dad passed away. Yes, he did, yes. And how did that impact you from someone who you were obviously learning from? Might have different ways of doing it, but yeah, was different he inspired? Ways. Different, I mean, he was old-fashioned. He was, he was old, in many ways, you know, he, he was old for his age, if you like. Mm. Um, but, but, you know, he believed, he believed in, in saving money. He didn't believe in spending money. He, 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 the tea bags, he'd hang them up and use them again. And if you, if you wrote on one bit of paper, one side of the paper, you'd get it out of the bin and say, hey, write on the other side. What are you wasting money for? So, I, but that's really good grounding. And actually, because the business wasn't making any money, because we are struggling, that's the best, because you learn. You learn the, you, you, you know, you learn the, the, uh, the benefits of, um, uh, of running a tight ship and all the rest of it. If you're doing well, you know, you, you do a development and it's easy and everything goes well, you learn nothing. You of learn course, nothing. Of course. If it's tough, you learn. That, exactly. And obviously you have that big major life event. Yes. And yes. I, I sort of understand this as well from my own experience. But yeah. how, how did that affect you that you had someone who you could bounce ideas, whether you agree yeah. with or not, no, I agree, to yeah. him leaving, yeah. being well, a role model? Yeah. What? Well, one of, the biggest, one of the biggest things was people used to come in and say, you know, is your dad about? No, he died two weeks ago. You know, you, you've got to keep the business going. You can't shut the business and you've got to keep it all going. And it's a relatively small town, yeah. Felixstowe, which is where, 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 where my office was and where I lived, was born there. So, you Where know, was that in the country? Sorry? Uh, Felixstowe, Suffolk. Suffolk. Yeah, okay. so uh, well, I'm, I'm based close by there now. So, you know, that was difficult. It was, it was a difficult time. And of course, my mum, she's a fair bit younger and I had a younger brother. Who then decided he didn't. He liked to get expelled from two schools, so I had to deal with that one, um, and all the rest of it. So it was a challenging time, but but you know you get through it, and 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 it, it, you grow up, and uh, you learn you learn more about yourself, and so on, um, well, as you did, I'm sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. What was, um, I guess, your number one lesson that you felt because in your, when your dad obviously passed away, yeah. what did you have to do? That you didn't have to do before. What was the number I th one I, big I, step I up? think I, I and you may you may you may think the same. I don't know, but I, I felt I had more responsibility to the family. I had an older sister, so I had to ring her up and say she was in Bermuda at the time, yeah. um, working out there. I said, ring up, said, look, Dad's just died. You know, you got all that. You got to organise a funeral because your mum is upset. Of and course, and your younger brother is too young to do it. So. Yeah. You know, you end up you end up maturing very quickly. I was relatively mature anyway because I was running a business and all the rest yeah. of it. Uh, but you, you you just grow up a bit quicker, don't you? And uh, you know, and, and that's that's uh, uh, just that's uh, just how it goes. You, you know, there's it's one of those things, isn't it? I, I know this is a bit different, but I always try to understand the personal experience as well. You had those responsibilities, but how did it affect you emotionally yourself? Because the, the, the issue a lot of people have, and this is my experience, is that you don't have time for yourself. You, I agree. You, you end up trying to help others because mm. I've I, I noticed that's quite a similarity that we've got. We naturally try to help others without mm. even thinking about ourselves sometimes, yeah. which is strange. People think, well, but that's the lure of certain type of people. Mm. And those are the experiences that shape you mm. because you get put in that position to start thinking that way. Mm. Where but sometimes you still need that time for yourself. Mm. Um, how did you make time to grieve, to then move forward? Because you do need that. How did yeah, you do I, that? I have to say, from memory, I don't remember grieving um, that much. I was, mm. you know, I, I, you know, I was looking up, trying to look after families best you yeah. can, and look after themselves a bit as well, obviously. Yeah. 
um, running a bit, you know, running the business, yes. you know, is a, it, in one way you've got a lot on you. Having a when you have um, something happen to you like that, you know, having something to focus on actually yes. is pretty good. It's a good thing. Yes, and you know, I I, I needed them. I needed the business to survive. It was early of days, course. and you know, the fear and and that and I, I said to you, I have always have a, a the, what drives me on at sixty one years old. Which I can't believe I'm sixty one years old. What Don't look it. Thank you. What drives me on is the fear of failure. Yes. Even now, even now, when I've got a number of assets and so on, it's the fear of failure, the fear of not being able to pay the tax at the end of January or whatever. And, uh, and the fear of not finding any more deals, uh, you know, they always turn up, but yeah. Do you, know, do you know what? I think that's a common trait. And if anyone's watching in the audience, uh, one of the biggest traits that you have to have as an entrepreneur is have that fear of failure. Yeah. And believe me, I've seen anyone who doesn't have that, yeah. I'd be honest with you, you will not be an entrepreneur for that long because that is the difference maker because that's what drives you, mm. whatever you don't, whether for me it was whatever we do in life for the exams or whatever, mm. don't want to fail. Yeah. How am I going to make it happen? Yeah. And I think that's the inspiration. Yeah, I, I th I, and I use the word make it happen because I, I think my wife says I've only got one skill and that's dogged determination, which is interesting because I never thought about that, but actually probably, probably right. I don't look at it that I've got dogged determination, but actually, you know, you've got to make it happen. You've got to, you know, it's no point in sitting there talking about something. You've got to get out there and make it happen. I, I think your wife uh, is probably simplifying your skill set because well, from knowing you, I think you've got more than just one. I think that may be a defining skill <laughs> because there's certain traits that decide or uh, distinguish people, but you need so many, and I yeah. think we're going to touch on some of the stuff. So you bought the. The business. Yeah. I want to touch. You said you're academics. You went mm. to private school. Yeah. Academics. Bottom of the class. Bottom. You? No, no. It interests me. I worked my. I did my best, but I was bottom of the class. It wasn't with you. No, I just wasn't very bright. And and at the end of the day, there's two. There's different types of brightness. I, yes. I, I believe. Yeah. There's course. academic brightness. I mean, re my reading was very poor. Um, I had special help with that and so on. Um, and I was bottom of the class. And uh, there's no way, no way of getting around that. You know, you have to accept the fact that people are brighter than you. Um, but that spurs you on as well, because you think, Christ, how am I going to make any money? I can't go to university. I'm, I'm, not, I'm virtually unemployable. <laughs> I need to, mm -hmm. yeah, I need to kick on. And um, a lot of the people of my generation, property developers of my generation, were very similar. They're very similar. They're, they're not particularly bright. They've got a... They've got a um, a smartness to them, if you like, um, street creddy sort of mm. smartness to them, but they're not academically bright. And I do wonder where the young entrepreneurs, property entrepreneurs, are coming from. There's a lot of people doing rent to rent and all this type of stuff, yeah. but they don't see many actual developers coming through, yeah. which is interesting. I, I, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know many, and of course that's one of the reasons why we started the property graduate, which we'll talk about later. I know. I, I want to just unpack what you said because I think it's so important. I, I, I've got a slightly different view on what you define as brightness because being bright doesn't mean being academically strong because I've met, and, and as someone who's gone all the way, been fortunate, humble to yeah. do that, it doesn't define if you're bright because I've seen so many people who have gone all the way in academic mm. but they've got no business sense, no common sense. And that's not defined how good you are at doing exams and that. It's 
how good are you building relationships? How good yeah. are you communicating? Yeah. And I, I think we get um, caught up in society, and I'm not knocking education because I'm a big advocate of it, but there's so many different ways to be successful. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And what I define as brightness, because the brightness for me is, is the is the, yeah. the lights on uh, when uh, you're talking uh, to but someone? But I would also say that there's people who have got a fantastic job because they're so because they're so clever, and they don't need to be entrepreneurs. You know, they don't need to because they've got a super job. Great, they've got loads of money coming in. They don't, they don't need to take a risk. Half of them are never taking a risk of their lives, and you don't need to. Great, it's not a problem. So we're all different. I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I, I, I think we're a bit. I guess entrepreneurs are a bit unusual because they're risk takers. Yes. Yeah? And you have to be, if I think, if you want to be a successful entrepreneur. Yeah. We should get tax breaks for that, shouldn't we, really? For love it, love it. We should do, because, because you know, we're, we are employing people, either directly or indirectly. Absolutely. I, I, I think this, the United Kingdom is known as a society of entrepreneurs. Yeah. Uh, and the problem we have with, uh, I've got to be careful with, because... John is a huge Conservative Party uh, advocate. Um, the current leadership, I think that is somewhere got a bit missed from my perspective. I, I, I totally um, agree. And, and at the conference, I shall be, I shall be you know, talking to one or two ministers and banging their heads together if I could, if I can get hold of them. But uh, especially I, that Chancellor, goodness me. I, I, I think he's got a tough job um, yeah. without defending him, but I think he has got a tough job. And I think John, always when I speak to John, he's got such great perspective due to his network, which we're going to touch base later on, is how he looks at problems and solutions and challenges in society, the economy and everything else. And he's also got insight that many others don't. And he's just mentioned some. Um, and I think people really realise that entrepreneurs are the cornerstone of the United Kingdom economy and society. And we need those. Otherwise, we will not prosper. Uh, and I think I'm going to leave that before I get into my tax breaks and all the rest of it. Um, business challenges. Yes. Let's move on to this because, uh, as we love this, time always flies. Um, you mentioned earlier uh, um, property development, and yeah. we were talking off here. Is you believe property development is at the hardest point now? It's really hard to be a property developer yeah. than anywhere from your career yeah. starting. And you've been in yeah. the game for four decades. Yeah. So why, why do you think that? Well, I think. Uh, well, first of all, funding has got easier because in the old days you could only borrow 50%. Yeah, yeah. 50% the purchase price, 50% of the bill costs. Now you can borrow probably 70% and all the bill costs. Right. So it, the funding's got easier, but of course with that has come a new breed of investor. Um, and until recently, you know, they could borrow, they could, they could refinance and keep it. Now that's not really an option. Yeah. Um, and it's the perfect storm. I was talking to a friend of mine who, right, I won't say who they are, but they run uh, one of the top top um, house new house builder firms in the UK. And he said, it's impossible at the moment, John. And I agreed with him because you've got, bill costs have gone up 30%. Yeah. Um, interest rates um, have doubled from where they were two years ago for us. Well, more than doubled. More than doubled. In, in other words, we were paying 6% oh, okay. um, two years ago. We're now paying 12%. Yeah, we, yeah, you yeah. Know, and that's with the clearers, by the way. If you want to, the bridges are some of them, not a lot more. Um, and, built, and prices have come down. So that's a perfect storm. So anybody that's been developing in the last three years and hasn't finished their projects, most of them 
all due respect, are probably what we call underwater. Right. They've got to have a hell of they must have had a hell of a deal to start with, not being so. So all I've been buying in the last three years are are, are properties that have have, have, have um, stalled. So we buy them off receivers. We've got two in Scotland mm. um, schemes, twenty six houses and flats in Scotland that was part finished. Built the developer went bust. Another one in in Scotland, twelve units apartments where the builder went bank. In fact, he died of COVID actually, but then wow. went, went went bust. Another one in Birmingham, another one down in Hungerford, another one in Cardiff, and so on. So that's really what we're buying because on that basis, someone else has taken the hit on the bill costs. But even then, you still got to unravel it. It's still difficult. They're difficult deals to do. I, I think you've put um, it in a nutshell. The strategy changes. And totally, I think you've I, got to be fleet of foot. And I think you've given huge insight to the audience around how you're thinking about the solution. Because when I speak to, and I've been fortunate humble enough uh, due to the network that we've built up, that we get to speak to quite a lot of yeah. industry experts um, at quite a high level. Yeah. And they all got different perspectives. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think this is the best time to uh, be buying property <laughs> and investing because of what we'll get onto later about the, whether we're in a recession or not yeah. um, in uh, 2023 as we're recording this podcast is everyone has a different perspective depending on what their strategy is what their property strategy yeah, is I, I, I think I, it varies depending on what you do what, and what, what, I, what, what I always say is is that property is like a big boat ship it takes a long time to stop turn around and go the other way yeah. As soon as the market gets a bit tougher, everyone, well, what, people like me want to jump in too soon because yeah. we're, we're at the sharp end. Yeah. We know what's happening and we want to get in. But actually, sometimes just step back a bit, take a bit of time. There's no rush. Nothing turns around within in less than three years. I, I think I think you you've put that in a nutshell. So, so we're looking at a convent, a convent at the moment to convert. Yeah. Now, it will take us a year to get planning, probably. Takes a year to do it, yeah. so we're now looking two years ahead and saying, "Will the market be better in two years than it is now?" What do right. you think? What do you think? What's well, your advice? What my advice to in two years from now? Yeah, it depends. What was the property that you buy? Uh, it's a conversion of a. It will be twenty-eight units. Twenty-eight units. Yeah, what is it currently? Currently a convent. Convent. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Provided you get planning. Well, uh, we'll get we'll get planning. We'll get I'm not planning. worried about planning. Yeah. That, that's what uh, John's saying now, the connections. Yeah. I think it depends on the GDV, and that's what I was going to ask you what the gross development value um, is. 14, I, 14 million. 14 million. And what's, what's 14. the cost you're looking on? Uh, we're, about, we're in about 9 million plus this, that, and the other. So, so it's a decent deal, but what I'm asking you mm. <laughs> is it's all about time. Property's about timing. Yeah. And I think if you're looking two years ahead, yeah. You're probably about right now to start reinvesting in conversions and things like that because you're two years away. But you need to make sure there's a big margin in these deals. Don't bring me deals with 20% margin in them. I'm not interested. I need 35, 40% because then if it goes wrong or it doesn't happen in two years' time, you can still live with it. If you're doing deals at 15, 20%, you've had it. You're underwater from day one virtually. All you need is the bill cost to go up 10, 15%, which is very easy, as we all know. Sale prices to go down 5%, and you're in trouble. 
answering your question, I think that's a really great insight. For me, I look at working the GDV and the return, I think you've worked out a success of 30% mm. if I work top of my head on 40 mm. million GDV. So 30 to 40%, mm. I would probably be expecting a bit more at the moment, I'll well, be honest with you. Yeah. The reason being is financing costs, as you mentioned, have gone yeah. out of the roof. So financing costs have gone out of the roof. Yeah. I will look at negotiating because normally, if you're buying something in distress, right now people need you to buy because not many people are buying. No, but you'll be amazed that comp- there's still competition out there. Depends on what you're buying yeah, I agree. and which area it's in. Yeah. Because it's Always no- buy in the best areas. The best areas you can afford. Because those areas, even if the market is tough, they'll sell first. They'll always sell first. I think that is, they say buy the worst house on the best street, yeah. right? And I totally agree with that. I yeah. think that is a great philosophy. But that comes to network. But also, it depends on the cash position. What can you get from a financing at mm. the right rates? And I think that's the biggest bit people haven't factored in. So a lot of people are selling stuff, mm. thinking they're going to get prices. But... <clears throat> Any smart property investor or developer is mm. thinking six months, 12 months, two years in your case mm. ahead, what is the value going to be at that? Because yeah. that is the variable. Because if you're saying it's 14 million, how, 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 how do you know that's going to happen? Because you're right saying now, like an accountant now. No, I'm explaining to you the numbers. So you have to evaluate the risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you, have to take the view. you have to take the view that, you know, you take the worst case scenario. You know, the market's dropped 10% in my view. Is it going to drop another 10%? Probably not. It might do, but then that's the risk we take. We're entrepreneurs. Absolutely. Uh, but so we, we, we make sure we have an out before we have an in. We make sure we know what, what we're going to do if it all goes wrong. I think and that's really, that's super important as well. I, I think you put the nutsh- in a nutshell. For me, I would always do a scenario modeling on anything. I would do first if I'm going to sell it as a property developer. Secondly, if that's not going to work out because yeah. something goes north, how much is the refinancing? We have to sort of project it. Yeah. Uh, and how much would the cash flow yeah. offset that? Because I might have to hold it. Yeah, you might. And, and that's, it's got to be at least two or three scenarios yeah. because, or it might be a hybrid of the two. But, but what you've got to remember is at the moment, we're not buying anything off anybody personally mm. because they're never going to sell at the money we want to pay. So we're only buying off receivers, administrators, and this convent, for instance, has to be sold. Right, okay. So, and, it, and no one's going to benefit personally from it. Right. So when they're not, people aren't benefit, benefiting it personally from it, they do care what it goes for, but they, they haven't got yeah. the same, it's not so important. Of course. Um, so they're the only people we're buying off. If you say to me, oh, Mr. Bloggs wants to sell, well, he might do, he's not going to take my offer. Waste of time. Uh, At think, the moment. I, I think the numbers that you've said on that deal, they do stack up. Thank you. Yeah, because if yeah. you think about 14 million so. to 9 million, uh, and you put yeah. in a, as yeah. long as you put in a little bit of a fudge in there um, for the cost, uh, any movement. Thank you. It gets your approval, does it? Yeah, I'm abso- absolutely. I'm delighted to hear it. I I, absolutely. My God, I can sleep at night now. <laughs> I can sleep at night now. That's fantastic. <laughs> Listen, everyone comes and asks for advice. Of course you they know, do. this is this and, is. And normally he charges me, so it's actually free this <laughs> do you time. See? So, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, this, actually, this is actually, why he's savvy. This is why he's got actually, 40 years, four that's decades. Why, that's why, that's oh why, my that's days. why I came in. Oh, love yeah. it, love it. And I look forward to uh, chatting to him about that project. Yeah. I think it's going to be quite interesting, yeah, it sounds it like. be interesting. And yeah. I think the, the big nuggets which John's just given us in a huge amount from the experience knowledge that he's got is that he's thinking on some of these property developments two years. He's whacking a year planning, a, ya- a year in development, yeah. and thinking about what it's going to be worth in two years and that's the debate we just had yeah, the biggest the biggest mistake people make is they'll think they'll be in and out in a year uh, and it just doesn't 
all due respect, it doesn't happen. And do you, do you, happen. Do you know what people don't realise? Uh, I know we're getting into this detail, but how we, the most one of the most important things is um, is how we structure that. Totally right? right. Because structuring the deal is so important. so important, and you've got to speak. I'm biased. I'm telling people. I tell everybody. I'm biased. But you need your accountant, tax advisor, business partner. Yeah, because need, you need your full team. I hate the word power team, by the way, because I just hate all these educators use <laughs> use bloody power team. I hate the word. But you know, consult. I use the word consultants. You need to surround yourself with the best people you can afford. Well, it's so important. You've put it in a nutshell. We're just doing one right now. Um, the GDV of the deal is going to go from. A four or five million to about eight nine million Fantastic. that's huge on a block so we've structured yeah. that we say VAT stamp duty land tax capital yeah. allowances yeah. got a whole exit but if we hadn't done that that would have cost them that's over a million pounds yeah that's a lot of savings serious and you need your lawyer involved who understands Absolutely. commercial residential depending on what it is well, really good yeah. understand that and they also have to know what their remit is yeah. and also you have to have your accountant tax advisor know their remit yeah. and, and your financing whoever they are make sure you invest time to get a good one because that could break the whole deal yeah and if you have all those people they're key parties mm. and then you have other parties that come along sure. um, for different parts but if you don't have that mm. and you don't have those regular the mm. left hand doesn't know what the right hand no and what i would also say is you know if you're a property developer you show me a property developer that's never lost any money, I'll show you a liar. <laughs> I love Every it. developer will have the odd disaster. Something goes wrong that you don't expect, might be COVID, might be bill costs going up 30% without you realising, or whatever it might be, might be the builder's gone bust on you, could be anything. You're going to make mistakes, but it's how you deal with those mistakes that's important. We've all lost money on deals, all of us, uh, but it's how you deal with them and, and keeping it to a minimum. A friend of mine, a very successful property developer, I asked him the other day, I said, be honest, how many deals are successful? He said, 70%. 70%. He said, I know I'm going to lose it out of 10. I know I'm not going to make money on three. But who cares? I'm making money on the on the seven. I, I think you've put that in a nutshell. It's when you, you're experienced property developer, and especially when I see different ones, they mitigate that because, as you said, they yeah. have a number of projects running. Yeah. So they know that they will minimise a loss. It may break even or slight loss. But then the ones that make money, they have enough margin because they have that. Because yes. different areas, different property strategies have yeah. different impacts. And yeah, they do. And, and the market can be different. You know, it's, it is a micro market. So you've yeah. got one area that you think is going to be great and it's not for some reason. I mean, no one wants to lose money. You know, the, f the first thing I think about with a deal is, I, I'm relieved twice. Yeah. Once when I get my money back that yeah. I've put in, yeah. yeah, and the bank's money back. The second when I make a profit. First thing is, don't lose any money. Yeah. Second thing, make a, make a profit. It's a, not a bonus, but it's, that's how I see it. I'm going to touch on because there's so much, and I'll be talking to John for ages, got so much fun to get through. I think one of the things that I've noticed speaking to you um, is that you became an entrepreneur from a young age, but your natural, one of the skill set, which I'm sure your wife has seen, is your natural leader. Because when you have conversations with yourself and how you get people involved, and I, part of the property graduate yeah. aspects, I saw that, you naturally know how to ruffle feathers when they need to be ruffled, <laughs> definitely, but also get people together. On the, on the side, and, if you like. and, and yeah. you know how to get the best out of people. How, how, have you found that journey to develop I've, that leadership? Aspect? I've just, 
I never, until someone mentioned it in many ways, I never realised I was. Mm. I think it's a natural, relatively natural thing. And I, I didn't know I had that ability. It's like I didn't know I had the ability, particularly, especially as a stammerer, to stand up and, and you know, I speak at different events and, and um, I have a certain amount, I put a certain amount of humour into it. Mind you, prop the elevator with the rest of them on the, on the show. I need to put the humour in because they're... <laughs> They're bloody boring, some of them, aren't they? Ranjan and that lot. So, you know, I have to put, I have to put a bit of comedy into it. But, 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 but just know. on that point, Ranjan, if you're watching, <laughs> so, so he, 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 he's a gift that just keeps on giving. Oh, let, so, let's look at yeah, I can go on and on. So, what I'm saying is, you know, I never realised I had that ability. To be fair, and, uh, but, 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 but it's a natural thing. It's not, it's not trained. It's not, you know, it's just an, it's a natural thing. But what I would say is. When I bought into Cambridge United when I was 26 years old, nicely onto that. Yeah. the managers, the football managers, we must have sacked seven or eight of them over the years uh, and all the rest of it. Commercial managers, football managers. I was there 18 years. Wow. Um, and then eventually we struggled. We, we went from the fourth division nearly to the first. We got into the Premier, we got into the playoffs of the Premiership and um, wow. on gates of 5,000. Amazing. We had an amazing run. Two quarterfinal FA Cups. Amazing time. Wow. And four of us really owned the club between us. Was, it, was you there when Dion Dublin was Yeah, there? I sold Dion Wow, to Man U, my team. Right, well, Dion, wow. what happened was we were out in Sweden and I was with the team in Sweden. I was doing a little pre-season training because I was young enough then to do it. Wow. And in fact, Dion said to me, I was at the back, running at the back, and Dion was at the back with me. I mean, he, you know, the guy's an athlete. He's at the back with me in pre-season training. And I said to him, and he said, John, John, slow down, slow down. That was Dion. Anyway, next day, he got a call from Man United, and uh, they were in Germany. And so he, he, went, he went from Sweden to Germany for the medical. We agreed the deal at £1 million yeah, yeah, at the time. And, uh, yeah, and, that, and the deal was done. So he never came back. He, he, he went off with them. Wow. Uh, and then he broke his legs soon. In I heard, yeah, But yeah. bizarrely, of course, it's come full circle away because he's now on the, he's now on, um, um, what's the show he does? Auction, the auction, um, the auction show. Wow. BBC the One, Homes Under the Hammer. Wow. So it's, uh, and uh, he's a nice man, nice man, Dion. Nice he, he's been on like match of their all these Yeah, he do, he's, he's done he's really, really, Dion's done really well, really well in the media, really, really well. And then, so I was there 18 years, we got into financial trouble. I bought the ground, yeah. um, which uh, caused a lot of problems. I had a lot of people shouting at games at me. I had a special police wow. to look after me at games. It was embarrassing. And then on a Sunday, uh, two coach loads of fans uh, were intercepted by the police on the way down to my house to protest. Wow. So they intercepted them in any way. Anyway, uh, we, we, we leased it back to the club for five years uh, and then we sold, we sold it on to Grosvenor Estates who thought they could, a subsidiary of Grosvenor Estates, massive company, who thought they could re, uh, uh, relocate them but they never had bothered. And actually since then the club have managed to buy the ground back. Wow. So anyway, that's my that's my footballing uh, that's my footballing life really. In, in, in moving on to that's really good, great insight. People are going to love that because that brings the reality of what John's achieved in his career to date, and he's Lost done a lot so games. much. A lot of games, but you've had the ups as well. Yeah, you know, so yeah. you have to balance it, yeah. right? Um, I think one of the things that I want to just touch is in your career, where did you? or so far, because it's still a long way to go, where, where have you made the most amount of money? Okay. Because the entrepreneurs watching, I yeah. want to be inspired. Well, this might, this might not inspire them, to be fair, but I made, I made more money from the age of 20 to 30. Why? Than I have since, really. Why? 
pro rata. Um, it was good times. There wasn't too much competition. I had a great backer, and I had a great backer, Mr. Boyce, as he yeah, was called. Um, and it's not for only fools and horses. No, it's not. not def boy definitely not. And definitely not. And his son now. I do some stuff with his son still now, as well as some stuff on my own and so yeah. on. And um, we got into buying tower blocks. Wow. So um, we bought a tower block in Ipswich, uh, which was 74 flats, sold them all off. And in 1996, we made 988,000 profit. Wow. After, after interest. Wow. And I was, tw I, was, I was 25 or something. Wow. And from there, we then went on and, and did a, bought a number of tower blocks across the country. And in those days, these, these councils were blowing them up. And to blow them up was half a million pounds. So if we gave them 100,000 for it, they're delighted. They're 600,000 better off. And then we refurbish them and sell them to first-time buyers. And my view was, if you can make them as much like a hotel or foyer as you possible, we used to put gyms in now, it's naff, isn't it? But in those yeah. days, it was quite something to put a gym in, little gym in and, and all those saunas in. And, so, and we sold them off to first-time buyers. Um, so we had blocks of you know, 15, 20, 20, 20 odd stories. You'd be yeah. surprised, I've seen some developments putting modern day gyms mm. in now. So yeah, but they're not like trains. the rubbish gyms we put in in those days. We're talking about nine, nine, late 80s, early 90s. <laughs> then the recession came in the early 90s. Yeah. Um, and I had a big country house with 100 acres and all the rest of it. Wow. And I thought, this isn't, this isn't, uh, this is gonna be tough. Um, and uh, so I, I sold that and I bought the house I'm in now which is uh, another hall um, with 22 acres, uh, but it was, it was cheaper than the one I had. Wow. And I've lived there for 30, 31 years. Wow. So, um, so I think anticipating problems before they happen is really important. I think this brings us nicely on success in surviving yeah, in business for absolutely. decades. I yeah. think you put it in a nutshell without yeah. many asking the question. What you stated is you know what's coming because you can feel it from yeah. your experience knowledge and yeah. you know how to adapt. Yeah. And you have to constantly keep on doing that. Is yeah, that I, think, I think you have to keep adapting and, and you have to have a, a, all these strategies, you know, they, they, they roll, these educators roll out these strategies, normally one, because that's the, all they know about, to be honest with you. <laughs> and they've probably done it once and then they want to teach everyone else how to do it. I think you have to be flexible. Um, I think being a one-trick pony, you know, we have, we have some, we, we, in the mid-90s, we were doing a lot of buying a lot of offices to convert back into residential, we listed buildings, we did a lot of listed buildings, yeah. um, historical buildings, and converted them back into houses and flats. Um, and then everyone started catching on. So then we wow. moved on to something different, and then moved on to something different, and so on. So you need to be ahead of the game a little bit. PD was a great example. Nicholas Walwork, who's on Property Elevator, would be yeah. a great friend of mine. Nicholas was into PD uh, in 2012, and he made a lot of money, you won't mind me saying it, on micro units. Yeah. Um, and then the government have changed it, and now they, you can't do micro. I mean, yeah. And everyone wants to do PD. He doesn't do it anymore. He's moved on. So you know you have to be you have to be flexible. Um, and and I've done you know it's interesting. <laughs> um, um, I do I do quite a lot of commercial that people perhaps don't realise because I do a lot of residential mainly, but yeah. I do quite a lot of commercial. Got commercial investments, um, and, and 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 we worked out the other day that I've converted 16 different types of buildings into residential. Wow! From piggeries to water tower to this, that, the other, in 84 different towns and cities across wow. the UK. So that gives you the breadth of, of experience. But 
you know, there's nothing I haven't really tried. I wouldn't say I've done well, but tried. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, and that's, uh, there's not much I haven't, you know, said I haven't, we haven't, we haven't bought, if you like, over those years. I, I think you've given huge value to the audience of insight, the different property strategies, the mindset, the geographical diversity, yeah. huge. I think this leads us on nicely. I think sort of touched on it, but one of the biggest things I've noticed when I speak to yourself is you built a huge reputation. And people always say they built a reputation, and I'm not one of these people that uh, always agrees with them because you have to have some substance when you built a reputation. Yeah. You have to have a track record and a way of speaking and getting people on side. So how, how have you done this? And I want to cover key parts of building the reputation. One of the things you're known is, as I mentioned, tough but fit. How do you get that balance? Well, I think, I think, first of all, you've got to be authentic. I think the people now, and, and I do some social media, as you know, and I, I've learned how to, well, I, my stepdaughter does most of it, as you know. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I've, I've sort of learned that, that, that that's not a bad way of communicating with people. Um, I don't think it's the be and an end all, by the way. I mean, I got 3.2 million um, views on a, on, on, on a TikTok um, thing I said. Uh, and you said it right today. I uh, said it last year, yeah, I, I said it right today. <laughs> Well, tock tick or TikTok or whatever. So, and, and out of that, 14,000 comments, um, which sounds great, but actually, did I make any money out of it? No. So, you know, it's, a lot of it is fluff. So, but, but what I would say is if you're looking to build, I think you have to, I, I never thought of myself as, as building a reputation. I've just done what I do and, and people like it or they don't like it. Um, they like the, the forthrightness, I think, of what I say and the honesty in it. But I can, and then people say, well, it's all right for you, you can afford to be honest about, what you, about it. Or, well, I can afford to be honest about it, touch wood, but you should always be honest about it. So if you've got people telling you things that aren't true yeah. because they want to get you on the course or something, then, then you know, I get people, I do a few seminars, not that many, and I get people, and I always try and speak to them beforehand uh, on a Zoom or something, just chat to them. And they might, and I might say, look, I don't think this is for you. Yeah, and they yeah. go, well, then they want to come even more if you say that to them, by the way. So, well, I'm not being rude, but I just don't think it, it, will, it will benefit you. Or, or when they're on, you know, one or two seminars, I, I, I always, I, you know, they, oh, I want, to, I want to be a developer. So, well, I don't think you're suited to it. You know, they don't like that either. But, I mean, I just think being honest about it is, is, is the best policy. And I think being authentic um, is, is the way forward. I, I think that's um, a rare quality in the modern day. Uh, I, I agree with you 110%. But in the modern day where people have so many pressures, they sometimes forget themselves and they make uh, not the best decisions. And I think if you are authentic with people, in the longer term, people will respect you. And yes, you may lose some relationship, but they weren't worth having. No. So I think that's the hardest part. And it has to have that self-belief. It goes back to self-belief, I believe. I think one of the other bits that when I was speaking to you is huge, is your networking. I've seen this person, uh, John Howard, networking in person. Uh, I think you went to an event that we, we invited you to. Um, and you've, you've got that down to a T. Thank you. Uh, and Again, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I, it's just, I've been <laughs> trained. It's just what I... What I think the thing is to do you know I, I think this is the insight the audience because people find these all challenges yeah you know to be f tough but fear and people say that but you've given a real life examples of how you've done yeah. that 
Hi everyone, sorry to interrupt the podcast. Hope you're getting a huge amount of value from this. Just gonna be quick two seconds. First of all, to let you know in the comments below, we have got links to free business guides that can help you on your entrepreneur journey. They include exclusive footage from Sky TV episodes that I've done and a whole load of other content in there. Whether you're a growing business, property investor, property developer, or if you wanna love the fun of SaaS pensions. Please do look at those. And if you still want more help, get in touch, the contact details are below. I hope you enjoy the podcast. How do you, how have you learned to really, you know, network and actually get the experience and get that, uh, your view and your opinions across to everybody and build those relationships when you've got a whole set of new set of people yeah. and you just do it without even thinking about it? Well, most of them don't know who I am, which helps when you start. When I start, I find that hard and, to believe. And, and, and the story I always tell is, is I always sit in the audience beforehand and, and talk to someone. They go, oh, who's on tonight? Who's talking tonight? And they go, I don't know, some bloke. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? Well, I'd like to know about this. What's your name? You know, Margaret. Would you mind if I mention you, Margaret, when I'm speaking later? <laughs> and and it, but it breaks the ice, you know, and I think having a bit of humour breaks the ice. And, uh, you know, Margaret said to me earlier, da, da, you know, that's just a... I, I just find that natural to do that. Mm. And I think, I know it sounds really, really simple, but smiling is so important. And I know it sounds a bit crackers. I always say to my stepchildren, two girls, you know, they look, when they used to be little, look a bit miserable sometimes, say, make sure you bloody smile. It doesn't do anything, it costs you nothing to smile. Make sure you say hello to everyone, treat everybody the same, whether it's the gardener, Harry, on the way out to school, or it's uh, someone we know, whoever. Everyone gets treated the same. Everyone gets treated the same. And I think that is so important that to make people feel important when you speak to them and give them respect is, is, is the least you can do, especially if they've invited you to an event and they expect you to meet people and talk to you. You know, I go to some events and, and the other speakers don't, don't engage with anyone. I mean, you always do, but I mean, so many don't engage. And I like to go around, speak to everyone. If there's tables there, I go around to each table, introduce myself, sit down with them, you know, I just think that's part of the job, that's what you're there for. Boris Johnson came to a dinner. Do you know you've read my mind? Right. He's actually read my mind because I was Johnson just gonna give an example. Came to, oh, Beacon, don't worry. Boris Johnson came to a dinner and he also stayed on for the, in the evening and in the evening um, dinner, we had two dinners. The evening dinner, I was the, I was the auctioneer um, for them. And um, I was sat next to him at the dinner, at the lunch, lunchtime. And he went round every table, shook everyone's hands, 280 people in the room. He shook everyone's hands, tried to speak to as many people as possible. We have a lot of politicians come and see us because we've got this little big business club they come down for and so on. And he's the only one who did that. So love him or hate him, he's a communicator. Apart from me soaking myself, right, I think that's a great great point how he's done that is it doesn't matter what level he was at he's treated everybody absolutely it's the, the same personalization yeah. isn't it being personable yeah if you're not personable with people this is what's going to happen and that's how you get deals people say to me oh it's all right for you you get deals yeah i talk to people i get a relationship with them and i they trust me and i pay them a, a fee as well for finding it and all the rest of it you know if you spend all your time doing emails you ain't going to talk to no you're not making any contacts 
get out there and speak to a few people. I, I think you've, you've actually smashed that question and answer. That is exactly huge value and that's huge insight to everybody who's watching. Moving on to some of the successes, uh, other successes that you've had. You did a huge, and I was quite fortunate to hear you do a presentation on this. One of your big developments was the wine rack. Yes. 26 million pound build cost. Yeah. GDV. It was meant to be 22 million, but then, but then Brexit came. And we'll get on to Brexit in a bit. Yeah. Like. Shall I tell you why it went from 22 to 26? Yeah, go on. Because uh, the pound against the euro. Wow. So 70% of building materials come from Europe. Wow. So when the market, when the, when the, when the, when the you know, the, the exchange rate changes by 20%, that's where the difference is. So that cost you four mil, yeah. and then, but you still made 38 million. Well, we didn't make 38 million. The GDV was 38 million. Yeah. I never talk about what yeah, we make. I never talk about gross. what we lose. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, and I don't sit, I don't stand next to a Ferrari and tell him that's my car. I haven't got a Ferrari before you ask, by the way. So although in my 20s, Lamborghinis are better in my 20s, to. I had a Bentley with a chauffeur, but I was a bit of a prat then. So um, <laughs> that's what I mean about making more money in the 20s. So... Um, yeah, that deal came about because um, it went the, the block, oh, it was a skeleton and it was called yeah. the wine rack because it was a concrete frame and never been filled in, if you can imagine that. And it went bust in 2007. We wow. bought it in 2017, 18. Wow. We paid a million pounds for it. Wow. Okay, off the receivers. Yeah. It cost them seven million to build what they had built so far in 2007. Wow. So some of these difficult deals only have a window in a 15-year cycle of property cycle before it starts going wrong again. Yeah. They only have probably a five-year gap where a difficult project will actually work because of the costs. Yes. And we got it about right. We were a bit slow getting started. Um, we borrowed the money off Homes England, mm -hmm. which is the government uh, bank. Yeah. Um, and we only borrowed the money off it because of the MP at the time, yeah. uh, who um, Ben Gummer, who I got friendly with, and um, I'm a Tory donor anyway, which helps, I accept yeah. that. But that deal was agreed at, at Treasury level. level. Wow. It was the biggest private loan, uh, sorry, it's the biggest, it was the biggest loan to a private property company. So they've done bigger ones since. Wow. Um, they've all been, it's all been paid back. We sold the last one the other day. So it took five years. So wow. building it, we built it on time, on budget, which is very rare, by the way, for us yeah, or yeah. anyone else. And the reason we did that was because the bigger the contractors, normally, the more organised they are. Yes. And the more consultants. Our consultants' bill was 840000 consultants. But worth every penny. But worth every penny. So, you know, you, you, you got, it's easier doing a deal that size than a small deal. I've recently bought a block of flats in Birmingham, sold, sold them off the same day to someone else, chopped off the back garden, kept the garage. Now, I've had more fun doing that deal, where I hope to get planning on the garage, by the way, for a house. Yeah. I may not. I may look a fool. I actually got just as much fun out of that deal than I have doing these big deals. So, pe so I'm unusual amongst developers because um, a lot of my people I know and, and the level of deals I can do wouldn't ever touch anything small. Wow. Whereas I'll touch anything. I, you know, if it's a deal in it, I'll try and do it. And uh, and again, the person I sold that to has got a great deal. I've got, you know, I've got the contacts. I've got it at the right money. Um, in fact, they came on one of my mentorships years ago. Wow. And I got, kept really friendly with him. 
Um, and he, yeah, and that's so that's just contacts, just how it how it works out, isn't it? I, I think you've put insight on the mindset, how you go about constructing these deals, and what relationships you have to build to, to do those. I think the other bit, because time is always against us, is your TV career and the books yes. that you've done. Yeah. Huge amount that you've yeah. done. Well, so I, I sort give, of, give I, us a bit. I sort insight. of fe I fell into that in the last few years. So has it had a huge impact? Yeah, it's been great fun. Yeah. Great fun. I mean, and I what, don't the TV or the books or books. Both? I, I don't take it seriously. That's the first thing. I do not take it seriously. <laughs> it, it's not a lot of money in it. Um, right. And I don't take it seriously, but I've really enjoyed the people I've met. I've met you through that. Yeah, I've absolutely. met Ranjan. I've met Nicholas. I've met Paul Mahoney. I've met so many nice people through it all, uh, as well as lots of people who are very complimentary, which is nice. So, um, so I wrote a book. Which I found very easy to do. I was surprised how easy it was to do. And my math, my English teacher at school would have had his head in his hands, but I actually found it very easy to to write. And it actually is very easy to read, yeah. because as my brother says, the longest word in it is "and," which yeah. is a bit rude. Um, but <laughs> it's very self-explanatory about the uh, property developing and investing for for, big, for for newcomers. And then I did another one advance. I've done an auction one because we, we didn't touch on the fact that I owned Auction as UK. Yeah. Uh, 40 old franchises across the UK for a while, sold wow. the business a while ago with my partner. Um, and and then I've done a I've done a um, advanced property developing book and um, auction book. And now I'm just finishing a commercial book. Wow. So I found them, I found them uh, really good fun to do. Um, I found them easy to do because if you talk, anybody can write a book. Yeah. You just talk, just talk, write about what you know about. Yeah, it's not yeah. really, it's not that difficult. Um, getting them published is a pain, but anyway, and all the rest of it. And then because I did the book, I then fell into property uh, TV with property TV. Rang me yeah. up and said, "Look, would you you got a book? Would you like to come in and do some stuff?" So I came in and did that. That's where I've met most of the people I've met is through property TV. Wow. Um, and then I've done some, I've had, you know, I've been talking with, with the BBC about um, a series and bits and bobs hasn't come to anything yet, but who knows. So, uh, and I found it quite easy to be in front of the camera. I, I don't have a problem with it um, at all. Um, it doesn't worry me. I don't care what the questions are going to be. I just, you know, I, I don't, honestly, I find it quite easy, um, which again, surprised myself. Uh, but I, it's, I found it really, I really enjoy it. I found it good fun. And anything, to be honest with you, it's given me a new lease of life. And what I love doing, I love meeting people. I like helping people. Um, and that's when I came up with the idea of the property graduate. That leads us nicely onto the property graduate because <coughs> what you've done is you've leveraged TV. You're, not, you're quite easy because you're going on there. You know how to make an impact. You've got a huge amount of knowledge and experience. Yep. I think a lot of people struggle with that because they haven't got the knowledge yeah, and experience. I agree. I agree. Um, and they can't then relate because when you're on TV, as you know, 30 seconds is like half hour. Yeah. And it goes like that. It does. And if, you, if you're trying to blag it, you get found out get very found quickly. Out. Very, very quickly. I've uh, had, without being arrogant, I've had to step in and help one or two out over the years. Uh, you know, because because they get you know, the, especially some of that property TV mm. where you don't get a second take really. No, you don't. Uh, you know, which you is don't. great training, by the way. Oh, come on, we're doing it! Bang, we're doing it! Come on, really? That's it. Yeah, we're doing it. So you don't, and so you don't get a second take um, unless it's a real, you know, a real mess. Yeah. Because they've got time; they're on to the yeah, next yeah, thing. Yeah. But it's really good training, and and I get put on with a lot of people who are doing it for the first time, and I don't. I love that. I don't mind that because. 
I'm happy to help them out. If they need some, don't need any help. But they tend to put me on with people who haven't been on before or not very often, um, which, which I'm delighted to do because sometimes they just need that little bit of help Absolutely. Um, when you're on there. I, I, to be honest, I've had that a few times as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Uh, when you first start, um, I was with someone quite relatively new, but I, I just found it quite normal, natural. But you found you're, but you're very natural at it as well. And, and when we're on, we've been on Teddy, we've been on yeah. it together. Yeah. And it, it's good fun. There's lots of banter. I don't always agree with you. Uh, you don't agree with me all the time, but that's fun. It's you get some people, and they just say yes, that's right. You know, you just you need that bit of but that banter. You know, you need that little bit. And that's why they asked me back because. You know, I'm you sure because it's a bit of life, put a bit of life in it. Huge value and opinions make it. And I yeah. think I think it needs life. You wanted a property graduate. The reason why you did property yeah. graduate. So, so the reason I did property graduate, I thought, well, what's what shall we did a property elevator as well, which is an, uh, it's it's, um, it's in its sixth series. I mean, that's amazing. I always have a joke around John. Second rate show after property graduate. Exactly. So, so what the idea of property graduate was. You know, there's lots of people out there trying to be property developers mm. and they're struggling. They find it difficult to do and all the rest of it. So I came up with the idea of um, a little bit like The Apprentice, but I, I, the winner gets a million pounds worth of funding mm-hmm. from me to go and find a deal and we share the profit 50-50. So I'm not that generous because I'm sharing it 50-50. So they have to go and find it. They've got one year to find it. The winner has. They have to go and find a deal. I mention them through the whole process, obviously. Um, I take the risk with the deal, and we share the profit 50-50, and up to a million pounds worth of funding. So that's buying it and developing it. And um, Alfie Crofty won the first year. We're doing a a deal in Hungerford at the moment. Wow. It's taken a bit longer than a year, to be fair, but we won't worry too much about that. Um, and he, he's that, and he was a very, he's a very bright boy. He actually came and worked with me as well, which Fantastic. is that isn't the job, that isn't the sorry, that isn't the prize. Yeah. Um, and I think it's very important people keep keep their jobs as well. I'm not suggesting give your job up for it by any means, but we have a few hundred people apply every year. Yeah. Um, we whittle it down to twenty, <coughs> also, and then we have three rounds. The first round is an interview, which we they get it from 10, 20 to ten. Yeah. The 10 then, the second day, let the ones left have to go away. Well, we give them a challenge, which uh, normally is a property that I wanted to buy or I have bought, and they have to work out what they would do with it to make a 30% net profit. Wow. That is carnage, <laughs> which I cannot understand because I can analyze a deal. I can analyze a deal within five minutes. They can't do it within an hour. Just, and it, it, it's, it's crazy, in my view. Just to add into what John, how John analyzes the deal, is quite unique just to let you know all right because everyone's got different perspectives no, how to analyze listen, the deal can i just say how simple <laughs> it is once you know the square footage mm. you can work out the gdv mm. and you work out the bill costs so that you, that way you can work out what you can pay for it it's not rocket science it's not it's not that difficult i i think it's that that's the top line numbers yeah but when when you're um, that's all we're looking deal. for that's but, all we're looking you're, for yeah but you're also looking at um, all the implications on the cost side the contingency yeah, 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 and but all this yes but that's not but that's, we don't worry about the tax the tax <gasps> because the tax <gasps> the tax is paid if you make a profit you pay of your tax course. that's that's. we're not worried about tax what I'm worried about is whether whether, we, whether having worked it out within 5-10 minutes you want to then look it into more detail or not or where you want to chuck it in the bin this lot would take, some of them would take a day to do it. Well, I, you can't do that. You take a day, 30 days, you've only looked at 30 deals. 
I, I, so, I think I think what you've done is put it in stages. The first is the yeah, rough and ready yeah, look. But it's a then, simple appraisal based on simple information that you get off the you get off the particulars. And, and, and we don't need to go into how many schools there are near, what the crime rates are. We don't need to know that to start with. What we need to know is what you can afford to pay for it. And you can once you have the square footage. Everything else you can work out straight away. It's simple. If I can do it, any idiot can do it. I'm telling you. This is why property graduate is going to be explosive because you're going to see these difference in matters and minds uh, on different affairs uh, regarding how you buy a property and uh, all the different opinions because every entrepreneur has a different way of doing it. They right? shouldn't do, They're, in my view. I, I think there's different stages because you mentioned tax in the sense it's we only on profit. But we no, don't need to worry about tax. Just tax on is there, you've got tax is irrelevant. You've got, that's why you've got accountants, that's why you've got experts like you. Yeah, absolutely. You sort the tax out. I'm not worried about the tax. What, what I, what I'm I, not worried about the tax. What I, of course, but what one of the things is, is when people are doing the numbers, when they get into stage two, stage one, rough and ready, I yeah, agree. Stage two, stage don't two, need to worry about the tax either. When you've got stamp either. duty land tax and VAT. Yeah, 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 of course, that's in stage one. You need what the stamp yeah. duty is. You've got, you've got to have a rough You, you need to know what the stamp but duty be, is in stage one, but you don't need to worry about what your income tax is or, 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 or how that's, much tax that's you're going to pay at No, that's different. You don't need to know that. But the, the, what I found was a challenge was because that varies the numbers quite a lot, depending on what stamp duty. Yeah, How hard do. is that to work that out? Come uh, on. Well, it depends. Go on the government website, tells you everything, what you can do, what you can get away with stamp duty, what you can't. It isn't rocket science. Property is a very simple business. It's complicated by these so-called educators. It's a simple business. If it wasn't a simple business, I would not be in it. I, I think at certain levels it's simple, but if you are uh, taking it to quite advanced aspects, it depends on what strategy you're doing, I think. Because I think if you're buying... Um, say commercial property, let's use an example, and I love this discussion, the audience is going to love this, if you're buying commercial property, you can save shed loads on stamp duty when you buy it, the VAT can save because that affects the stamp duty, then you've got to make sure whether you're a developer or investor, whether you're going to claim something called capital allowances, because if you're a developer you can't claim them, investors can. So this is where having the right team, yeah, but that's, if you that if makes you some difference, huge difference, it makes some difference. But at the end of the day, most of those things are pretty basic and your accountant would advise you. You would advise your clients accordingly. I, I, and that's where you want a good team. You want to write the right accountants in place. I accept that. But, but at the end of the day... It's a specialist area. It's not, it is, it's it, not bog standard accounts. No, I, under, I understand it's not. But, yeah. but, it, but if you know anything about yourself, you should yeah. be able to sharpen up and know how to do it. You should have a, a specialist in your team of course. that can do it. That's all I'm saying. Of I don't, you know, of do, I, do I know how to, do I know how to, you know, most of the stuff we're probably developing, I don't yeah. know how to do, but I know people who will. And I'm the captain of the ship. And that goes back to leadership, which yeah. you mentioned earlier. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that you've, you have to be really good because sure. you can't do everything. No, it's impossible. Don't. And the you people to, who try to do everything is get into work. all sorts of trouble. You know, they're control freaks. I'm not a control freak. I've no, that's, that's a huge delegation. I'm, not a con I'm, I'm a delegator. I, I'm very happy for everyone else. And hopefully they're brighter and better than me, by the way. I'm happy. I'm delighted if they're better than me. Um, the, the difference is they haven't got the balls I've got. That's the difference. <laughs> you heard that on the show. That is the difference. <laughs> they worry about crossing the road. That's why they're, that's why they're consultants. They're right. bright people. They don't need to take risks. I've had to take some... Uh, Calculator risks. Now, de-risking is what it's all about, of by the course. way. You know, <clears throat> I wouldn't go to a casino 
Yeah, of course. I won't put a, a bet on a horse, although I did train racehorses at, at home, but we haven't mentioned that. <laughs> so, but what I'm saying is, you know, de-risking deals before you do them is the key. And that, that is the key. I, I think what you're... You need you're, to know what fear is. You need to have fear. Yeah. A lot of people don't have fear, I find. They shut their eyes and they go for it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You've got to be able to mitigate your risk. Totally. Not discourage totally. you from doing the deal no, if it stacks no, up. No, if it stacks up, but it's but you can't convince yourself it stacks up when it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with you on that. I think that it leads us nicely onto, um, obviously, Surtax, heavily involved in Property Graduate. Yeah, we're, we're delighted to have that. you as a sponsor. You know that. You've been, you've been brilliant. So thank, thank you. you so much. And it's going to go live in October. Yeah. We're going to have that in the details below yeah. uh, on all across all social medias. Um, and you're going to see that. It'll we're be gonna... great fun. And you're in it. Uh, yeah. I've even be... brought you uh, in. Uh, yeah, we've got to so, keep that. That's going to be part of the clips so, coming in. So on, the sh so on the show, I have two advisors, basically, yeah, who yeah. advise me what I should be doing um, and this year we had, you know, we, we had two great, great ladies. Perfect. I've um, got behind the scenes with them. Yeah, Love it. They're great. They're great and very experienced as well. And um, so that works really well. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the way you've done it and having knowledgeable property entrepreneurs or really important in it. Yeah. Absolutely. And then they can advise and nurture yeah. and hopefully the the winner, which we will be in October, you'll be seeing yeah. huge value. Huge value. Yeah. And, and what an opportunity. What huge, an opportunity. Huge opportunity for the person. Yeah. And I think they're going to be a difference. And, and the whole idea, thank you. And the whole idea is that we don't just do one deal together. They become my partner. And we do, we, we leave the money in the company yeah, yeah. That, we, that you're going to form in this case. Yeah, for yeah, us. yeah. We leave, leave, we leave the money in the company and we do deal after deal after deal. And that's what used to happen years ago is that yeah. you'd have a property company yeah. and you'd leave most of the money in for the next deal, the next deal. And you build the company up. And that's what I want to do with the, with the um, property entrepreneurs who, are, who want to get on in life. I, I think there's a way to do it really tax efficiently. I just explained to the audience. So yeah. what you do is you set up with the parent companies. Yeah the subsidiary yeah. and then you Jolly good. move I'm the not money up. That's your, we'll, that's we'll, be doing we'll, we'll be doing that that's fun, saving you quite that's a lot why, of tax. They why, love entrepreneurs. That's why you're my accountant, so don't worry about that. <laughs> um, I think it leads us on to, um, I think you've mentioned quite a lot, but your approach, right? Um, because we've had huge value from John, so much stuff. When you go and watch this podcast, you're going to feel appreciation of all that value. I think you put in a nutshell your approach um, I think one of the things that will come to the audience is he loves humour and he can ease the situation. You can expand a little bit on that. Well, I just, why, why do you? Well, well, why I is just, that your way of communicating? I, I've just found I just found over the years um, that you want to do business with a smile on your face, really. And if you can't do it with a smile on your face, you know, and see some humour in it, and I don't mean being silly about it, but I mean just being friendly and kind and decent with people. Uh, and engaging with them, then if you can't do that, then what's the point really? You know, there's no point. And um, over the years, it, you know, I, listen, I'm not the best property developer in the world. I'm not the worst, but I'm not the best. Um, there's people far more successful than me. I've done okay. Um, maybe I've been a little bit more serious. I've done a bit better, I don't know. But um, I, I just think that in most cases, it eases the situation a little bit. You know, and we're not talking about cracking jokes exactly, but just having a nice way about you, smiling, being relaxed, not being too, not being aggressive when you talk to people, you know, and that's frustrating at times because perhaps now and again you want to be. Um, and I've very rarely fallen out of anyone, and if I've ever fallen out of anyone, I've always regretted it within a few days. And it's very rare that I've fallen out of anyone. I'd rather just walk away. 
I, I think that's a great mindset. Yeah, I think that's a great mindset. I think you have to have that mindset. I think yeah. a lot of people, yeah, we are in a serious business, but there's a way of conducting yourself. Yeah. And having that relationship where people feel relaxed. And when you are with a smile, you're relaxed. Yeah. They go together. Yeah, they do, they do go together. And, 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 you know, it's a bit like someone's, someone telling jokes. You can't tell jokes. I can't tell jokes. I would, I'd, forget the, I'd forget the ending. So I don't, I don't tell you. So if you, can't, if you can't be like that, if you haven't got that little bit of charm that's required, don't try. Because yeah. if you try, I've got a, a friend of mine who, who thinks he's charming and he's not. And he's just bloody rude to people. <laughs> So, you know, if you can, you, you know, I can be rude to you, Z, and you'll smile and we'll have a laugh about it, um, and vice versa. But not everyone can do that. And if you can't do it, don't do it. It's like, I can't tell jokes, so I don't tell jokes. I, I, There's nothing worse, is I, there? I think you put the nutshell, I think it leads on doing, is when you build rapport yeah. with someone. Rapport is the key. And it's yeah. whether, what kind of banter is going to work yeah. with them. And it's, instead of jumping in with whatever you're going to jump in with yeah. is understanding what is that person, how do they react to stuff. Yeah. And you work your way with someone. Yeah. You don't start with the most controversial thing on the planet. No. And I think that's where people make the mistake. Yeah. I think you need we, to get a connection with people. Yeah, and then they, they know that you're... They, they say when you meet someone, mm -hmm. uh, you have what? Is it 10 seconds to, to impress three them? now. Three. three, four. It's like, you know, it, it's, and that stays with them for like two or three months. So you really do need to for make life. or for life even so you really do need to uh, to make a good impression i think that people always say first impressions count they yeah. that's right i think they do. i think most times the first impression you have people it is actually the right one yeah you know i've gone against that sometimes and ended up thinking why did i do that yeah because naturally you know when someone's how they like and how they react i always say um when you're looking at someone because they can't see their own face yeah. the reactions don't lie do they no they don't, do they? Because you can see it. They've not got a mirror around with them wherever they go. I, I think that's huge, huge value to the audience. This is how you uh, grow your network, how you build relationships. John's put all of that in a nutshell. Now the fun part. Uh, and uh, we're slightly going a bit over time on this uh, podcast, but John's got huge value. So I just had to let him speak. Love hearing him. All right. And the big impact. We're going to have some debates now. You're going to see it. Bit sparks are going to fly, impact or Brexit. Impact. John, I know you're a big fan of Brexit. I, I was a big. Can support, you believe I it? I was a big supporter of Brexit, and and, and tell the, us what the was the reason, reason why is this? I asked to get the answer. You need to ask the question mm -hmm. with everything. Of course, if you've got three deals to choose, you only afford to buy one. Yeah. Ask the question. What's the easiest deal to do? What's yeah. the most profitable? It's not difficult. Yeah. The question I ask myself. If we weren't in Europe now, yeah. this is back in 2016 or whatever, would we join? And if you ask that, I, did a, I spoke at a breakfast meeting in Dover Street, Mayfair, and when they, I was the ch chairman of the local conservatives in Ipswich at the time, right. and, and they said, oh, don't talk about property, talk about Brexit. I thought, oh Christ, really? And there were 75 people there, all London people, yeah. never been out of London, you know the type. And they, did, they, thought, they thought that England stopped on the M this side of the M25. And, and literally, they booed me to start with. It was good fun, but it was just banter. But they booed, literally booed me. And at the end of my, my talk, about 40 minutes I gave them, at the end of it, I said, right, hands up now. If we weren't in Europe, who would join now? And very few people put their hand up. And that wow. says it all. If, if you're in a club 
Yeah. You don't want to be in. And, and, and at the end of the day, I just felt we, we, want, we want to be in control of our own country. Why wouldn't we? We're different to the rest of Europe because we're an island for a start. Mm-hmm. I just felt we want to be in control of our country. Now, that comes with problems. I accept that in as much that because they're worried about everyone else coming out, they made an uh, uh, example of us, if you like. But mm-hmm. over time, that will, that will dilute mm-hmm. because it doesn't do them any good either. Of course. Whole, keeping us 180 days in Spain, that doesn't do us any good. doesn't do them any good. Mm. Because we, you know, who, who owns more property abroad in Europe than, than, owners, than people in the UK? No yeah. one. We're the biggest homeowners in, in Spain, the biggest homeowners in France, and I think the second biggest in Italy. We can be up there. And no one bothers about No one wants to live in Germany anyway. So, you know, at the end of the day, or Belgium. So at the end of the day... They, they shoot themselves in the foot. Portugal's going to be big as well. We're the biggest in Portugal. I, I, I definitely We're the biggest agree. in Portugal. Ten-year tax breaks and all sorts. You can go on about that forever, I know. <laughs> so so what, I'm say, what I'm saying is that's why I was passionate about um, having, giving, having control. And there's good things about it and there's bad things about it. What we haven't done is taken advantage of them all. And that's that, partly because of COVID, partly because this government is, has had all sorts of problems. And that's a shame. Um, it's a real shame because we could lower, and this is your department, not mine, you know, Ireland, 15, uh, 12.5% capital gains or 13% capital gains or whatever it is, we're, 20, we're going to be 25%. It's madness. We can do what we want within reason. The, the capital gains tax right now for property is 18 and 28 and it's 10 and 20 if it's property. And this is the problem. It's crazy, I, 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 absolutely crazy. And corporation tax in Ireland yeah. is much lower than us. Much lower. And That's we've gone the other way. billion surplus. Uh, and what I've noticed with Jeremy was he's changed his position, the Chancellor, oh, on this, because previously he was like, drop it, drop it yeah. low. I, I, I think there is opportunities. Um, I'm not a fan of Brexit. Really? Yeah, you know, I, I haven't yeah. been. The really? Reason, you, never the, made that, you never said that before? Ed, I, I always say, I'll be honest, the reason why I haven't been is I think the, the pressure initially has affected our economy. And I, that's not, that's undisputable. Hang on a minute. It has since, no, since, since COVID, we have, we, have, we have come back from COVID yeah. financially, now they're saying better than Germany, France, Italy and Spain. I think you mentioned earlier our costs are rapidly increased. Yes? Our, our costs have increased. How do you mean our costs? Our cost of where we're getting our um, yeah, things, yeah, materials. But that's because we need to, we need to do a but, lot more. But they're coming from Europe. Yeah, but we need so, to manufacture more in this country. I, 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 I that's the whole that. point of being out of Europe is that we should be doing much more ourselves. I, I agree with that, but I'm saying to you that this is the... Yeah, it's the rub of it. Yeah. So there, there's these costs that are going to impact. And yeah. I think they've hurt our economy quite a bit initially. Yeah. It is, is it going to be better in five, ten years' time? Yes. I think that's a different question. Good. My question is... So you is, are on my side after all that? No, right? I'm not. I'm saying zero to really? five years, it's affected a lot. Yeah, no one knows it, the answer. Of course, it, course but, it will, because but, like anything, that it, it's been a big change. And, it's, it's been and a this government change. hasn't really, hasn't really taken got to grips with it. I, I agree with that. And I think this is really useful to understand. I think costs and supply side has affected us yes. quite a lot. Because I go into Tesco's but, and places like that, and I struggle to buy eggs. That was not a problem pre-Brexit. Yeah. Right? Well, you need free range right, from the, up the farm. That's what you need to do. <laughs> Organic. Can, I love can, it. Can I just say this? Yeah, please. The queues they were talking about from Dover. The big queue. There's going to be queues right up the M20 and all this. 
hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. I think there's been odd incidents, but not yeah, o- o- only only when the French president made an example of us over one Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apart, it hasn't happened. All the doomsayers, what's everyone's going to leave the city of London? Everyone's going to everyone's going to leave. Google have just bu- built the biggest office space in London going. Because they know what a fantastic country we are. We, I think there's no dispute that the UK is a fantastic country and I, I, I'm a huge, huge UK fan because I've been born and bred here and all our lives. But I think one of the issues that we have as London has been affected because I've got financial services and background. Oh. We've had... It doesn't because because it's not doing too bad, is it? It's, it's been affected because some people making their decisions, especially the financial service, which is huge for our country, whether massive, we agree or massive, not. Massive, we're, we're financial capital of the world, yeah. in New York, right? Yeah. People have now moved to Ireland and Spain and other places. Oh. I, I was working for a Spanish bank, Santander, at the time, and one of the biggest issues was how are they going to do that? Because Europe has different set of rules than us. And this is the the fallout a bit where it's affected some of our high talent that's not retained in UK because of this, yeah. because they can go. So there has been impacts. Yeah. And I think we've got to be balanced. I'm not saying Brexit's all bad. What I'm saying is there's a lot of issues with Brexit. I think once, and it's, it's, once it settles down, and I think it needs five to ten years to settle down, I think, I think, I think we will realise what a good decision it was. But the uh, five, ten years we are losing a lot of money. Well, you say that we you lost say, hundred billion of our well, thing, you, you and say that, all, those you numbers are. You what say you say all that. OBR have come you out say all that, that, but it turns out we've we've done. They, they rejigged the. They looked at the figures and realised they made a mistake, and we've done better than Germany, France, Spain, Spain, in and what? and Italy in 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 terms of recovery from COVID. So I mean, we're not doing too bad. I, I think COVID. You know, um, everybody wants to. Everyone, not everyone, a lot of people in this country, all they want to do is slag slag the country off, and it's crazy. It's, we, we are self we are self harmers. We really are self harmers. You don't get other countries. It's like the COVID thing. It was yeah. dreadful, but we said that anyone anyone who died um, with COVID had died of COVID. Yeah. Other countries didn't say that. They said, well, they died of whatever it was. They had COVID, but they died of they were going to die of cancer or whatever. We didn't say that. Yeah. So our figures were loads more. I mean, we are bonkers. We make everything out to be the worst it could be. Other countries don't bother. And by the way, other countries don't even, half the rule, European rules weren't even taken on by Spain, they just ignore them. So how can that be right? I, I, I think there's a difference between COVID, and I agree with a lot of stuff about COVID, and I also agree with you uh, on sometimes um, we don't give ourselves um, that balanced opinion, uh, where we don't, where we're doing well, we don't uh, embrace that bit. You've only got to look at the news, the, the, all, all the news channels, most of them are just, you know, peop- I know people who don't watch the news much anymore because they're just sick of it. I, I, I limit you watch it. Um, and yeah. I well, that's a board. shame. It shouldn't be like that. It, but the, it's, it's fake news, a lot of it. This well, is, there is a I'm lot. not saying it's fake, there, there, but there, I, there it's is biased news. Yeah, but Depends what the editor of the, of the show wants to put out. But I, I think there is a difference. I think uh, on what you've mentioned, I think Brexit, there is certain implications. From well, what I would say, Z, yeah. Do, as a property person, you put are your the, political views Z, to one side. As to a be property a, entrepreneur, you're the brains of this partnership today. I, I, you're I, the brains. You, you're, you're humbling you're, you're, me too you're the much bra- now. You're the brains. Are so you if humbling? you think it, Brexit's affected us, I, I, I can't argue with that. I, I, it has affected, I'm sure, the fire in, economically. But I think in time that will, that will turn around. That's my view. I, I, I think it, it, what one of the situations is now, or the situation is, irrespective of whether it's been positive or negative, it's there now. 
So we well, have. Then no one tries to turn it around. And I think we've got to we've got to look at the situation and try to do the best for our country. I think that's where I agree with you on. And Good. I think ultimately, for us, we have to look at the positive. So line. you agree with Brexit after? All, I don't agree with Brexit. No. I agree that that we're in a situation whether and there's impacts to it is how do we mitigate it and make the best for the country. Yeah. I think that's a different conversation. Well, we both the difference is. Well, no difference. We both want the best for the country. Of course. And at the end of the day, that's that's the most important thing. And, and, yeah, and that, that means Labour not getting in. But I'm afraid I think they will. <laughs> I've got to, I'm on that one. Uh, last question. Yes. And we're finishing. <coughs> this has been a huge value. Thank you, John, so far. And the last bit is, do you, we had a little debate. Do you believe there's a recession currently or not? I know the num. forget the numbers. I know I'm a numbers person because well, yeah. they are being manipulated. What you feel when you're looking around the economy, because property yeah. is one of the yeah. indicators, isn't yes, it? Yes, it's a big indicator, that. yeah. Do you feel that we're in um, well, it tricky got, times? Well, it it, we're in tricky times, of course we are. I don't think, um, I have a, my gut feeling is that um, this time next year things will look a lot different. Well, there'll be an election any minute. I'll be yeah. canvassing <laughs> on doors. Uh, I think I'll be wasting my time, mind you, but there we go. So, but I what I would say is that... Um, the interest rates we have now, I think, are the four, what we five percent or whatever, five and a half, five and a quarter percent, are probably not far off what they they should be anyway. Mm. Maybe four percent's about right. The fact we were at zero for so long was crackers. Yeah. And the Bank of England should have moved much sooner to increase them to one, one and a half, or whatever. Now, the, well, the, I can't under. You're the economist, not me, and the reasons why they didn't. But because they didn't do that, they've had to move them much quicker and faster. And I think everyone was spoiled. It was too easy for everyone. Uh, you and I, and I, we sound old, I sound old. Remember the days where it was 10, 15%. There's always arguments, oh, well, yeah, but property was less money then and all this. It might have been. But in reality, we're now where we should be. I mean, if you can fix, and I think by next year, the fixed rates will come down a bit in my view. If you can fix at four, four and a half percent, you've done well. I fixed uh, m all my portfolio last year at 4.1%. Huge value, let me unpack that. Yeah. When you say fix, are you talking for five years? For 15 years. 15? Yeah. Wow. So John's not talking five years, he's talking about fixing it 15 I years. I fixed it all 15, 4.1% last year. And you're happy with that decision? Delighted. And I can, I can, wow. I can pay 10% off without any penalties. Per year? Per year, yeah. And do you know what? Take that as one of the golden nuggets of what John has given. And when you look through this podcast, John has just put 40 years. And I wish we could speak for much, much longer with John. And John's given us so much insight. It's unbelievable. And when you watch this podcast, you're going to realise the depth of experience of this gentleman and why you need to be speaking to people at this calibre or listening to people this caliber because they give you the huge value. This is what cuts your learning curve. And I speak to so many entrepreneurs, John, and they don't invest time and knowledge into listening to people and then adapting it to their style. Yeah, because yeah. everyone's in a different part Absolutely, of the journey. Of course they but are. when someone's over here and you're here, yeah. you've got a huge amount you can learn yeah. and use that information well, to make that. In the last few years, you know, speaking at these events, listening to other people who are speaking and yeah. talking to people in the audience after I've learned things. So it works both ways. But you know, I'm if you want to hear more from what I do, I'm, I'm on um, Instagram, Twitter, apparently, and also um, TikTok. 
as well as um, my YouTube channel. So, you know, there's all lots of free information they can get on there. So in this podcast, in the details below, and my team will be doing this, we'll put all John's details in there so you can contact John um, and see all the amazing stuff that John's doing. There's going to be exclusive stuff around Property Graduate because yeah. when this comes live, there'll be Property Graduate coming uh, and that's got a huge amount of value as well. Yeah. And I would ask anyone, make sure you follow John because the knowledge and experience as you've noticed and you can actually chat. Yeah, you might not agree with everything. It may kill you a couple of times of a joke and that, but that's part of the journey and he'll give you huge value. John, thank you so it's much. Pleasure. It's Love been a privilege. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the Next Level Finance podcast with the legendary John Howard. And he loves me saying that and you'll hear him say a few words now on it. But that's what I was talking about, legend, because the value. He's given four decades worth of information to us and high level uh, value which you can apply. And I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Hi everyone, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast. We're doing this to add value to your entrepreneur journey, which is have a quick catch up on this is that just to remind you we've got free business guides in the comments below they've got huge value in them for property investors property developers SaaS pensions and if you've got growing trading business as well if you after you consume those guides that have got exclusive sky tv episodes in them please do get in contact with us the contact details are there and we can help shape your entrepreneur journey and unlock financial freedom thank you so much